Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, leveraging virtual data centers with Verge IO. Uh, Chris and Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darren. We're excited to be here. Hey, Aaron, let's start with you. First, uh, tell my audience a little bit about your background and why you're at Virgil. Yeah, so um, I've been in IT for, for 20 plus years. Um, I'm a, a pre-sales system engineer here at Virgil. Um, so that means when we go and engage with customers, um, I'm one of the guys who talks to the customers about the technical features and value of Virgil and, and helps them define the requirements and how we can help them out. So you're the you're the point of the spear. You're right at the beginning. You're out there gathering use cases, finding out the pains that all the IT uh, professionals are having, right? Yep, absolutely. Part of the the, the tip, if you will. Yep. Oh, that's great. And Chris, a little bit about yourself and your background and uh, what your role is at Verge. Sure. So I had sales at um, at Verge, and uh, that means hiring teams like um, like Aaron and and his uh, sales counterparts. Uh, been in, been doing uh, tech software companies for 25 years now, and um, um, we have a we have a maniacal focus on our customer satisfaction and uh, making them successful with our software. All right, this is great. Now, I've already um, for those of you that are just tuning into this episode, go look at a previous episode with your one of your founders, um, Greg, um, who talked about we talked about the rebirth of private cloud today. We actually want to talk about uh, the use cases of virtual data centers because there was something that was really cool that Greg talked about was I'm no longer just virtualizing machines, I'm virtualizing data centers. And I thought, man, that's super cool. There's a whole bunch of use cases I'm sure we can come up with. And Aaron, since you talk to customers every day, let's start with you. I mean, what what does that unleash um, for customers when they start thinking about, oh, it's not VMs, it's VDCs, I guess, virtual data centers now, right? Yeah, it, it's a little different than virtual data centers as part, as part of the terminology goes, but basically what Virgio has included and built into it is multi-tenancy. Um, and, and those tenants stand alone as nested tenants where you can provide all the resources that you require inside of a data center from CPU to memory to storage to networking and have it totally isolated, but build those at the same time on demand, right? So just like you go in and you build a VM on demand, you might have a template for that VM. You can now do the same thing with a tenant where it encapsulates everything that's included in a virtual data center, all those resources that we just talked about, but you can build those right on demand. And those can be a script that you can build through, which we call our recipe engine, where some of that's already predefined. You can build it from scratch where you just you know give it a name, give it the resources, everything it needs. And or you can take a one of those tenants and you can now clone those tenants. So if you have a project where someone's working on one of those tenants or you have a customer that's working in one of those tenants and you need to kind of copy, paste that same type of environment, it's very easy to do. Okay, so I can take basically you just described a snapshot. I can take a snapshot of not just VMs, but security profiles, network storage, memory, everything is what you're talking about, not just what we've seen traditionally, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, yep. 
So for example, if you have a dev test environment, uh, a dev test environment and, and you're running workloads on there, and then now all of a sudden you want to move them into a production env environment or a QA environment, it's very easy to take that whole stack. It could be an application stack, it could be multiple application stacks inside of a, a you know, a, a network framework, and then just take that, do a clone of that, and now you have number two running over here on the other side. Okay, is there a limitation to how large um, these snapshots can, and you call them tenants, not data centers, right? Well, we like to, from get a mar your terminology. perspective, we call them virtual data centers, but really what they are okay. is, it, it, because we are a multi-tenant platform, they are sub-tenants of our solution. I can run multiple tenants, all yep. right. So let, let's just call them virtual data centers because marketing, right? Yep. I got you there. I, I get that. So how how big and complex can these virtual data centers be? Are, is it like a limitation, 64 nodes? How many applications? I mean, this could be massive and huge. Yeah, they can, can be. They can be massive. Um, I think our largest customer today runs over 60 plus nodes in their environment. Um, they have multiple tenants that they run in their environment. Really, the tenant, the only restrictions around a tenant or a virtual data center is what is the um, what's defined or what's built in the backend cluster, the Verge I/O cluster. So, if I have a Verge I/O cluster, for example, and I have four terabytes of memory, and I have 100 terabytes of storage, and I have you know 64 cores in my CPU, I could assign all those resources to that tenant if I wanted to, and or I could split it in half, split it in thirds, however you want to split it up. In a, and build them that way as well. All right. So, all right. This is this is really interesting. Let's say I have no tenants. Or well, all right. No, no, no. I think I think this is interesting. I can have maybe 128 nodes, and I'm going to say I'm allocating um, 15 to development, 15 to test, and the rest to production. Those would be different tenants. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Right, so I can snapshot between them and then move into production. Yep. I could even have uh, multiple production environments, red and green or blue green updates in this case. Yeah, you could right. you could figure out a way either with automation with our recipe engine, and or if you're just switching between, like you said, blue green. Maybe my production, you know, first quarter is my blue, then my green, and then my blue, etc. Flip back and forth. Uh, boy, my, my head's starting to spin just a little bit on all the things I can do with this. This could be um, pretty substantial. Um, let's talk. Let's talk real quick about um, some of the use cases where you see people using this ability. Um, what what in, what areas have you seen the most traction for this? So for our multi tenancy, um, we have um, a lot of our customer base is MSPs. Um, so they'll actually use the multi-tenancy piece for their end-user customers. And, and with that, they can dedicate zero-trust, um, secure environments for those customers. We can do things like BGP routing to where those customers can use their own public IP addresses into those tenants. Um, and then we do OAuth authentication to connect to their environments. So at that point, a customer can have their own cloud environment totally built out with one of these virtual data centers or slash tenant and log in. And they can, based on the resources that the cluster owner gave that to them, the CPU, the memory, the storage, they can provision workloads, virtual workloads as needed. Okay, so your, uh, your, your primary target right now is your mid-tier cloud service provider, right, where I, I, I get that. What about, what about just your normal 
everyday um, IT department. Is there a use case for them, or is this really geared just towards uh, those those mid-tier uh, cloud service providers? No, there's great use cases for the enterprise type IT customers, where if you have dev test environments, where you have environments where you want to do like blue-green, um, where you may have um, different environments that have di different security compliancy requirements, right? Maybe it's a SOX requirement, maybe it's a NIST requirement, maybe it's a, a HIPAA or a CUI requirement. Um, we have some some higher education, very large education universities that use us to create multiple tenants because one, they may have their regulatory policies that they have to fit under, but then they want to do different types of testing. And to be able to do that, they have to spin up basically the, the tenant or the virtual data center where they can get around those policies, but still have it secured and in effect, you know, air gapped away from the rest of their environment, like a sandbox, if you will, or a cyber range. So um, that's a, a very good use case there. Um, another good use case, you know, we can start with a minimum of, of a two node cluster and then, you know, go out as far as you need to go out to build that out. So depending on it may be an edge use case or a robo remote office use case where you need something on prem, but then you want to take that on prem workload and you want to be able to replicate that data or replicate those VMs or tenants to another site for data protection and, you know, DR and backup and recovery. Guys, oh boy, you just like covered a whole gamut of things. Chris, you want to step in here and and help help out with uh, you know use cases, more areas that you think we can use this? Yeah, sure. So as Aaron said, we've got um, several large uh, EDUs that are doing compliant research, um, and what we've enabled them is they certify their their cluster a single time. We have a recipe engine or a template engine that will create the same instance with you know de depending on on resources like compute and storage and and RAM. Um, how much how much of that they need they can they can deliver a compliant research environment to one of their research organizations or researchers in under an hour um, okay so let, let's delve into this one's really interesting to me because there is a big uptick in um, cyber threats and and regulations around all this right so it's really hard sometimes to get your environment into a uh, state that um, is compliant. So what you're saying here is, I can build that environment once, right, with all the controls, and then just turn on those environments, and then um, researchers can now research in that environment without any concerns of setting it up appropriately. This is it's correct. already yeah. done. Yeah. And, and, and in, legacy, in legacy environments, the researchers were doing a lot of their own work, and it could take months to, to get you know, HIPAA compliance and run through the ED, this particular EDU's um, uh, compliance process. Uh, so we've, we've you know, shaved prospectively months off, off of you know, the beginning of the research. Um, this this is real. This is because I'm in the middle of this right now with uh, a lot of customers, where oh we've got to get the patches put up onto our OSs or our VMs that are running, you know things. But no one talks about updating the data center with all the policies. And if you look at the NIST standards, patching is is one of like 15 sections, right? So what with this I could. I could patch a a virtual data center, correct, with the things that it's needed um, by 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 doing snapshots. Yeah. Is that snapshot or a clone? But realistically, what you're doing is you are copying that virtual data center, 
and you can take that data center update it with those type of regulations you may have or with our recipe engine you may have virtual data centers tenants that have different um, requirements or regulations that are already set in there right you might have different firewall rules you might have different network settings um, how the the, the the trust and security set up and then it's very easy just to like you said snapshot or copy those off um, to where you know we can do that within minutes or hours versus uh, if, if you go into a traditional environment if for example, I'm, I'm building a virtualized cluster out. I have to build everything from the ground up, bare metal, networking, et cetera. But once you put that virtual data center on that, that multi-tenancy, it's very easy to copy create. Gotcha. All right. So let, let's talk about updating, though. Let's say I have a recipe that's there um, and, and new HIPAA regulations come out. So I've got to make changes. I've already deployed this in several places. Do you guys have a mechanism where I just update the recipe and then I can go apply that recipe onto currently running systems? How would I do that? Because I I I don't I have applications running in those that I've added on. So how how do I update an environment like that then? Does that Yes, yeah, so, so we don't necessarily have an automation engine or a recipe engine for your application level or inside your VM workloads. Typically, that would be done with things like infrastructure as a code or, or config management like Ansible or Terraform, those types of tools, maybe Puppet Chef um, or PowerShell, Python scripting tools, um, programming tools. But for the environment, for our, our, our tenant or virtual data center, you could go back in with that recipe and update that tenant with that recipe. So maybe I need to change some firewall rules. Maybe I need to do some configuration settings on the way my resources are mapped out to my workloads. Are mapped out, right. Yep. Okay, now can I take a, a running VM? What this is Darren's crazy thoughts. I mean, these are crazy. Um, where I've got a running environment, everything's running. I got my applications all running. I have new HIPAA requirements that came out. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got. I I create a new environment. Can I then take the VMs running in one and migrate them over onto the onto the new infrastructure? You can. And so what we do is we allow you to set up the networking to be able to do that. So you can take those VMs, you can either snapshot them or you can migrate them over to that other tenant, if you will. Okay, so there, there's a path There's a path to upgrading without having to reconstruct. Because as you said before, you guys don't handle the application stacks per se, but I can take a running environment, the VMs in a running environment, and move them over um, on, onto a new a new environment that uh, has the, the new compliance on it. That's right. That would be okay. Or you can even, you could do it even to a sense where you take that, that environment, you do a clone of it, you test it, because you always want to test anything before you upgrade it or move it, right? Well, of course, yeah. Then do your adjustments, and then once it's, it's set and good, clone it again, or just, you know, change over to that environment. Start again and move it over. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm glad you brought up test. Um, because I used to be a CIO. I've made some mistakes as a CIO. I used to be a developer. I've made some mistakes as a developer. One of the biggest mistakes is I think it's good enough. I made that one small change. It shouldn't really matter if I test it and I, you push it into production. Everything falls apart. So with the, with your guys' technology, there's no excuses, really. You got rid of my excuse. Well, the other cool thing about our technology, too, is we do we have snapshots built into the environment. And the nice thing about our snapshots is you can do VM-level snapshots, you can do virtual data center-level snapshots, and you can do cluster-level snapshots. 
So you can have a snapshot that protects you from from those types of bugs or stupid human tricks, if you will. And I coined that phrase from someone else, um, another CIO or CTO that I had talked to in the past. But you know, you, you apply that update, and if something does go wrong with that update, and it's not something that you can easily take out of the application or at the OS level, now you can easily roll back to a snapshot before you applied that update at a, again, at a VM level, a tenant level, and a cluster level. All right, very, very, very cool. All right, we covered like a, the update use case. Let's talk about security. Uh, Chris, will you lay tell tell us a little bit about security? Um, how what use cases um, I can I can use this technology in helping with uh, security? Yeah, so it's it's very similar to the test dev um, type of a type of a use case where. You know, we deploy on x86 hardware. Every every uh, test engineer or dev engineer can can have their own environment to do whatever they want with. And when they're done, they blow it away, and and you know they, they've got the original golden image back. We have a, a a very large one of the largest quant firms in the in Europe um, that's a customer, and it's a security type use case. So, what they're doing is they're taking a picture of their entire environment, um, and then they're running red team blue team drills against that. Um, it's a it's about a, an eight person organization, and um, same thing. Looking for security vulnerabilities, um, checking patches, um, that kind of thing. Oh, so that's an interesting case. I can take my production system environment, everything, snapshot it, and then release my red team at it and say, break it, break it. You know, hack in or my blue team sitting there going trying to defend it the whole time without affecting production, but I have a copy of the production environment. Yes, exactly. That's pretty darn slick. I like that use case. Um, any other use cases around security? Uh, that's that's the one that we've actually tested out and proved, you know, in the market. Um, um, and it's, it is akin to the, uh, the test dev use case as well. Same. Oh, that same makes concept. sense. I, my brain went to honeypots. Yes. I, you know, I, I detect uh, I detect someone, and then I put I put them in that pretend uh, production environment. They don't even know. Stay tuned on that one, Darren. We've uh, we 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 are we agree with you. We'll just we'll just leave it there. We just yeah. we're not going to talk anymore about that. Well, <laughs> no, Darren, you hit it right on the head too. I mean, essentially, once you virtualize the data center, you can pretty much apply any type of use case to it. Right, honeypot, cyber range, yeah. sandbox you know, um, air gapped, um, environment, it's, you know, the, whatever you want to do to it, it's very flexible. Yeah, no, I'm like, and well, sometimes we need to spell it out because I don't think people realize the flexibility that this gives. This is, this is pretty cool. Um, all right, let's talk. All right. So we talked, uh, configuration or we talked, um, upgrades, security. What's another major, um, use case, category. Aaron, what do you think? Um, well, <laughs> uh, so let's see here. Let me just some of our use cases. So, um, you know, we, we do partner with a company for VDI support. You can run VDI um, in our environment. The nice thing about that is we can control the resources, the CPU, the memory. We also support uh, GPU pass-through and virtual GPUs. 
Um, today we support that with an NVIDIA for the virtual GPU and GPU pass-through. And then for physical, just plain physical GPU pass-through, we also support, um, I think, some other ones on there. But for the most part, that's a big um, use case for some customers, especially if they want to do things like engineering, oil type, um, you know, um, workloads, oil or oil and gas, I should say. But anything basically that requires uh, any type of GPU um, resource around that. And then, of course, the VDI piece as well. Yeah, I, I really like because normally when we think about um, it, when we think about VDI, we think, oh, I have a virtual desktop. That's what it is. Um, but for complex systems like what I deal with, I'm, I'm programming, for example, I have more than one VM. I have a virtual desktop and a bunch of VMs that I want to to use. So this would be very cool for me where I can have like a group of VMs that I'm snapshotting and doing my development on and I can access them remotely and and that that VDI session can be bundled together with my VMs into one virtual data center for me or one virtual tenant for me. Yeah, that's absolutely. Pretty, that's pretty cool. That that unlocks a lot of new programming use cases for me is, is what I see. Yeah, the, the, uh, the virtual GPU also, um, Darren, really, really makes the economics favorable. So, you know, that's not inexpensive technology and, and uh, a one-to-one -one can, can get expensive. Um, so the ability to share that out among several users um, really, really, um, really delivers a favorable um, economic model. I, my brain also went to what I call micro clouds because I know your guys' um, stuff um, has a very small footprint. I can run it on, on very small machines. And we're starting to see um, more emergence of the edge. And when people think edge, they're thinking smartwatches, smartphones, sensors, cameras. We're also seeing edge devices that have three or four nodes. Um, and so I can really see your guys' technology being used as a distribution channel where I'm distributing onto these micro data centers um, I'm distributing software stacks. I'm distributing a full virtualized data center or tenant out there that's self-contained, managed, can can run without issues. Um, is is that something you guys have started to see yet or not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say it's a use case that we're going after. It's actually a perfect fit for us. If you look at an edge use case, one example that's common is a point of sale use case, right? Where I'm a retail customer and I have 50 stores, 100 stores. And now I need to have two or three applications or VMs that are in that store. Um, and just like you said, we our, our minimum requirement is a very small footprint. We like to see at least two servers for high availability. Um, but once you have that, you put that in that edge use case data center and you can build those VMs. And then again, with our snapshot and replication um, features, you can take those configurations and then just copy paste across all those different environments. Yeah, see, that's pretty cool because now, now you're talking updates, right? Yep. I have a hundred. I have a hundred stores out there. I all want them to have the latest and greatest um, configurations, not just OS patches, but also firewall rules. The whole thing. I can just peanut butter that thing across. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's 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 pretty slick. And if you if you start to double click on the, on the the edge use case, and to your point, Darren, it's you know it means a lot of things. It can be a smart refrigerator, or a gas meter. It can be you know yeah, a yeah. vehicle. 
Um, we're looking hard right now and speaking with people in the, in the ADAS space because those cars generate so much data. Um, a lot of the vendors are testing them in remote sites and they're, they're literally shipping hard drives around. Um, to do <laughs> no, I've, I've been in that space. Yeah, it's a nightmare. And, and 80, 85% of that data ends up getting thrown away once the processing's done. So think about the ability now to be able to process that on a remote site, fully redundant with, with the compelling cost associated with it. Um, and then you, can, then you can transport the data you know, via a wide area. Um, versus a disc and a truck. No, no, I, I I really like that a lot. And what I'm actually finding is they're not they're not removing any of that data they're collecting because they're afraid. Oh yeah, They'll yeah. Because keep... I'm still training these cars. There might be some data in in there, um, <laughs> so they don't get rid of anything. They yeah, keep they'll, it all. They'll yeah. keep the data, but they ship the the you know for the for the model data they'll ship that back over a oh, lot. Yeah, of, yeah. That's versus a, a FedEx truck. Well, and well, and that's exactly what they're using is FedEx trucks, exactly. yeah. <laughs> full of drives. You know, petabytes of storage being trans transported via FedEx to the data center. I've seen yeah. it myself, so I know. I, I know. So. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool, very cool technology unleashing new ways of thinking about uh, things. Um, uh, very cool stuff, guys. Any last words for our, our uh, audience out there? Chris? A um, couple, couple things. Um, we've mentioned the lightweight hardware footprint a couple times. We can take two x86-based servers and a crossover cable or a dumb layer two switch and give it full routing capability, full redundancy. Um, and as, as, as many virtual data centers or tenants as, as you have resources to deliver. Um, we also um, have, a, have a, a pretty robust channel program as well that, that uh, people should, should, be, should know about and be interested in. Great. All right, Aaron, what about you? The boss say everything? Yeah, I think Chris covered it for the most part. It's, it is a great technology. At the very beginning of the call, you asked why, you know, why Virch.io. And one of the yeah. reasons coming over here is, is when I saw the technology, it looked like a disruptor to me. And it's very solid. We have a, you know, our core team of developers has been here the whole time. Um, so that means a lot to me as coming into a new company. Because when, when you need new features or you have questions about the technology, we have the people there to back it up and support it. So it's, it's really good. Cool stuff. Hey, guys, thank you very much. Um, anyone can find out more information about uh, Verge.io at Verge.io. There you go. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, cool. Darren. Thanks, Darren. See thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.